Good morning, Homestead Church. We're glad that you are with us today. Um, if you are just joining us because you found this service online, we want to welcome you to our virtual church. Um, I'm at the building right now. Um, there's work going on here. We're, we're wrapping it up. We're, the finish line is in sight. So if you are new to Homestead, we are renovating the old Exchange Bank building in downtown Farmington. And uh, I know that we will be given more details about when we'll, we will be opening up and how church services will look. But we're glad you're with us today. Um, you may hear some of the work going on as we have people downstairs. Right now it's Saturday morning, so I say that to say a couple of things. There are some people downstairs working, and you might hear some, some tools going. Um, but also, Saturday morning, on what has been, the, it's the end of a really, really long, tough week for our city. So I say that to say this. By the time you're watching this, it's Sunday morning. So I'm going to take a minute now and pray. It's going to be this weird time travel thing because you're going to be hearing this on Sunday morning. I'm going to be praying for peace in our city today and tonight. We've had three nights in a row of riots and violence. And uh, I am praying against what I fear might be the inevitable conclusion of this, um, that it might be pretty violent. And I'm praying against that. We're asking the God of peace to... Um, move in our city. So let's do that. I want us. I want to do that just as we start this message today, just to pray for our city. Me on Saturday, you on Sunday. God will sort it out. Um, Heavenly Father, we pray for our city. Whatever things look like on Sunday morning, you know that right now as I'm praying. And I'm praying for your hand of peace and protection over our law enforcement officers, over our National Guardsmen and women, over the protesters and the rioters. Lord, I am praying for a supernatural intervention of peace. And I'm praying that as there are people being bussed in that are gonna try to incite violence, maybe you'd have their bus break down <laughs> or something else. But God, whatever it takes, move in the hearts of everybody involved so that peace could be could, would prevail, that there would be an end to the violence, that there could be the beginning of understanding and peaceful solution, and I'm just praying that you would move. Um, I'm praying that you would move in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's some of the construction noise. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been struggling this week just with how to approach this message, knowing what has all gone on in our city, in our state over the last uh, several days, over the last five, six days. Um, it has been a difficult one because we're wrapping up a sermon series talking about the, the life of Paul, the adventures of Paul, and I want to wrap that up today. But also just recognizing that our city is in need. And I've struggled with this. Do I address it? Because at this point, I think everything has been said. Um, I'm not going to bring in a new perspective. And that's what's funny about Facebook and social media is everyone posts stuff like, well, here's something nobody's thought of. And I think everything's pretty much been said. All the viewpoints have been covered. So I've struggled with that. I don't want to add to the noise, and I don't think there's anybody who is saying, I wonder what Jeff Kerr thinks about all this. But on the other side is this. As a pastor, as a Christian leader, I want to speak up against the things that break the heart of God. Uh, and so we, I've had several conversations this week, in addition to praying for our communities and our leadership and uh, soldiers and police officers and rioters and protesters and the family of those who have been affected directly and the business owners who are having their businesses destroyed, I've been praying for all of those things. But in addition to that, I've had many conversations this week with other pastors 
I've had conversations with the families of police officers. I've had conversations with members of the black community. I've had people angry with me over things that I've said and people angry with me over things that I've posted online. And, uh, and I've had people disagree with me on both sides of the political spectrum. And so just for me, that's usually a sign that I'm kind of in the right place <laughs> when I can have both sides. A little upset at one of the things that I've said. But one conversation in particular that happened this week, I was not involved in directly. This was a conversation that my wife was involved in. And this is what really kind of sealed the deal for me as far as will I speak up? Because this conversation in particular was one that my wife was involved in at her other job. She works for the president of North Central University in downtown Minneapolis, right in the heart of all that's going on right now. And this was a video call with the president of the university that my wife was also involved in. Also on the call were other white Christian leaders and then several prominent, well-respected, well-educated black Christian leaders. And one of those leaders in particular who was on this call talked about this, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but Christy was reiterating this to me because it shook her and it also shook me when she told me about it. One of these well-respected, well-educated African-American Christian leaders said something like this. He said, I have two PhDs. I've started a very successful business. I've raised hundreds of millions of dollars to help other African-American leaders start businesses. And he said, but what happens is, as soon as I leave my office, none of that matters because all anybody sees is the color of my skin. All the police officers see is the color of my skin. When he steps outside, nobody sees the PhDs. They just see that he is a black man. And he said this, I've been talking about injustice and inequality in our community for years. And he said, I find myself getting tired of talking about it and seeing nothing changed. And then he said this, and this is what got me. He said, what we need is the white male Christian leaders to stand up and talk about it, to address it. Specifically, white Christian pastors to take up this cause. And he's right. And he said that because he said, the way it is in our culture is that white Christian men typically have more influence. Shouldn't be that way, but that's the way it is. And I heard that and that gripped my heart. So I'm going to speak. I'm going to address it. He's right. We have a law enforcement and judicial system that works differently for people of different colored skin. This is a problem. And we as Christians are pro-justice, pro-equality. I've talked to members of the police force and thanked them and I pray for them. I, I'm a pastor, so I know what it's like when the rotten behavior of a few cloud everything else. All the good that they're doing. I recognize police officers. The majority of you are good, righteous, right-standing people. It's not what I'm talking about today. And the problem with me saying something like this is everybody listening is going to be like, yeah, but what about this? Well, yeah, what are you saying? Are you saying this or what side are you on? All I'm saying is we have a judicial system and a law enforcement system that has been disadvantageous to certain people based on the color of their skin. And that is not okay. And we are going to stand up and we're going to speak about it. We are pro-equality and pro-justice. But here's the harder work. Here's the more difficult thing. 
is in you and in me right here in our hearts, addressing the biases that we have. And every time, and you probably are like me and you've heard all the noise on the social media, and anytime there's a reaction that comes up in you that says, yeah, but what about? Or yeah, but you didn't think about this. Or yeah, but they're doing this and that's what's caught. Anytime that comes up, the yeah, buts, that's revealing something in you that's causing you to think that way. And I want you to look at why you feel you need to defend something right there. We all have reasons. We all have reasons. And if you've looked at social media this week, which I highly discourage, because that's where all the dummies are hanging out. I saw so many posts that had that tone. Yeah, well, what about this? Yeah, I know that that bad thing happened to them, but they're the ones burning down their own city. Yeah, but the police would treat them differently if they treated the police with respect. And all that is, and I've had, I've sensed those things creeping up in me too. And all of that is, is very subtly or not so subtly, the heart in you saying they're getting what they deserve. This is the bias that we need to address in us. So I'm going to focus right here and I want you to ask yourself some hard questions. Why do you feel that way? What biases might be in there that you need to address? We are really good at pointing out the bad behavior and bad biases in other people. Let's start here. As Christians, for sure, as a matter of prayer, God, let's start here. Root that out of me. I don't want those to be hidden in my life. I want to root those out. See God illuminate those sins, those prejudices that are in my heart. That's going to be the harder work and that's what I'm asking members of Homestead Community Church. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is the work that God wants to do in your heart. Educate yourself. Talk to people with a different skin color than you. Ask them about your views. When you say something or post something online, ask somebody of a different race or ethnicity of you. Say, what is that? How does that make you feel? What am I missing? What do I need to learn? Help me understand. And most of all, we need to address the biases and we need to educate ourselves. And most of all, if you are a follower of Jesus, then by all means, let's be like Jesus. This is what it means to follow somebody. Somebody has to lead the way with peace and love. Somebody has to lead the way in taking up somebody else's cause for justice and equality. And it should be the Christians because we follow Jesus and that's what he did. Are all people equal in God's eyes? Yes. Yes. Are all people equal in this culture? No. Are all people equal in your mind? In how you have viewed the events of this past week. We need to be the people who, like Jesus, laid down his life, who was falsely accused, who was mistreated, and still gave his life to serve others. That's the call of people who are followers of Jesus. So the people who are the followers of Jesus ought to be leading the way with this cause every day. Christians need to step up, not just in this specific regard. But across the board, Christians need to step up to what it means to truly be a Christ follower in your life. To grow, to take another step and saying, God, I don't want this Christianity thing just to be something that I watch on Sunday mornings. But to have something that changes my life, changes my attitudes, changes my actions, and causes change in our world. This is what it's about. 
This isn't self-help. This isn't self-focused. It's not a spectator thing. It isn't a weekend thing. It isn't a social thing. It isn't a political thing. This is the light of the world. And too many Christians are living in a way that their Christianity is not impacting their world at all. And it's time that all of us stepped up. Amen? So, with that, we're going to transition to the last of our sermons on the life of Paul, the adventures of Paul. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Big Top Kids Toy Theater. Today, we conclude the story of Paul from the end of the book of Acts. All of Paul's friends gather around him, and they try to convince him to not go to Jerusalem because they're afraid. Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Why not? We're afraid. What are you afraid of? We're afraid you're going to get arrested, that they're going to arrest you in Jerusalem. I saw a vision, and I know it's going to happen. And Paul was determined to live his life for Jesus, and he said, I'm prepared to give everything for Jesus. And so Paul went to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Paul was arrested. And soon he was placed in a boat with some other prisoners. Prisoners. Oh, there's a prisoner. There's a bad guy. Oh, that's a very bad guy. And a guard. Uh, this guy's a guard. Hi, Leo. And here's the guard, and there's the prisoners, and they're set on a boat, and they set sail to Rome. I'm on a boat in the ocean with prisoners and guards. We're afloat in the ocean. Look out! Here comes a storm! And soon there was a furious storm. And the boat wave lost its stick. And the winds howled and the waves were foaming with fury. And the ship broke apart and they were shipwrecked on a desert isle named Malta. Right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a faithful trip that started on the Roman road and went to Malta's shores. <laughs> When they arrived at Malta, the local people took notice of them. And they were very kind to them. And they made them a fire so they could warm up. And then they cooked them some food so that they could have something to eat. But then something happened. Paul went to grab some wood out of the fire. And all of a sudden, a snake came up and, and bit Paul right in the hand. We can now see the snake. And Paul had the snake viper stuck to his hand. And he threw him off into the fire. Into the fire. Into the Into the fire. But the fact that the fire, the snake's venom did not hurt Paul made the locals very amazed. And so Paul took that opportunity to tell them about Jesus and prayed for them and healed their sick. He told them all about Jesus. Soon after, Paul made it to Rome where he was placed on house arrest. 
Meaning that he could not leave his house. Just like the rest of us during coronavirus, only this lasted for two years. During that time, Paul wrote many letters, which became books of the Bible. People came to visit Paul. It's really hard to write. And he would tell them all about Jesus. And the more people came, he prayed for them. And he told them all about his faith and all about his life of adventure. And Paul lived a great life of adventure. But his adventure ended at the end of the book of Acts. But what next? Who will have the next great adventure of faith and see God change the world? Maybe it will be you? You? The end. All right, so we are looking at the last probably seven chapters in the book of Acts today. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 21. That's where we're going to start. We're going to jump through a lot of chapters. If you don't have a Bible, go find a Bible right now. Find a Bible and follow along. Nothing bad's going to happen to you by opening your Bible. All right, so Paul has been traveling, preaching, planting churches, seeing the world change. And he is facing opposition. This is where we're at as we look into Acts chapter 21. Christy kind of talked about how last week how he was leading, uh, God was leading him into a very difficult assignment. He knew that there was persecution, that there was hardship awaiting for him. That's where we're picking up the story today. He's facing opposition. He's facing opposition from the people for whom the world was working just fine. And Paul was bringing about change, and this change made those other people uncomfortable. And they wanted to fight back. This was the root of why Paul was persecuted. They saw Paul as a threat. They saw Christianity as a threat to them. So they had Paul arrested. Now, as I had mentioned, God had already revealed to them, to the Christians and to Paul himself, that trouble and arrest and persecution awaited Paul in Jerusalem. And so the believers were rallying around Paul, pleading with him, don't go to Jerusalem. God's already told us what's going to happen to you there. You're going to get arrested. They're pleading with Paul to stay away and to stay safe. And that's where I want to start in Acts chapter 21. I'm going to read verse 12 through 14 of Acts 21. This is Paul's response. We and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. They realized they're not going to change Paul's mind. And so chapters 21 through 28, where we just read now through the end of the book of Acts, are when Paul is brought before different authorities and governing bodies. And each time Paul is accused, and Paul each time shares about his conversion, how Jesus Christ changed his life, and he shares about the kingdom of God. He starts out by saying, I was the chief persecutor of Christians. But then I had an encounter with Jesus. It changed my life, and now I preach the kingdom of God. Jesus is the Messiah. This is what Paul continues to do every audience he has brought before. 
Paul continues to say these things. And you can read those in those chapters. And what I get from that is a challenge for all of us. We should always be ready to share the gospel. Share your story. If you've never shared your story of faith, practice it. Come up with a story. Well, don't make one up, but come up with your story so that you can articulate it when you are put in front of an audience and say, here is what Jesus did to me, and now I live for him so that his kingdom could advance, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Christians are supposed to be doing. Paul is firm in his conviction. Both when the, the, the Christians are pleading with him not to go to Jerusalem, he's firm in his conviction. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm prepared to be bound and even killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every time he's placed in front of a ruler or a judge or a ruling authority, he is firm in his conviction. Here's what I live for. Uh, let the consequences be as they may, but this is what I'm willing to give my life for. I'm willing to give everything for him. And Paul is arrested in Jerusalem. You read that in a couple chapters later. But in all these chapters, you see Paul give the same response. I was a persecutor of Christians, but I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life. Jesus is the Messiah. So here's what we see in all these chapters, and this is what I want to talk about today. We've got a few minutes left. Here's what we see during the end of Paul's story. We see this. He has courage and boldness. He's not given up. He's not afraid. He knows why he is on this earth. So every opportunity, he faces it with courage and boldness, proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. And this is unchanged regardless of the circumstance. We're going to see he's arrested several times. He goes through really difficult things. Sometimes he's going through easy circumstances. Regardless of the circumstance, he is filled with courage and boldness, boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. So we see that. We also see that Paul remains focused on his mission. He's not getting sidetracked. Wherever he goes, he advances the kingdom of God. He preaches about Jesus. Wherever he goes, he's not getting sidetracked. Another thing that we see from Paul, and we're going to read that in another story here in just a minute. In these final chapters, the life of Paul, he cares for all people. He cares for all people. All people. Different nations, different races. He recognizes all people are part of the kingdom of God. All people have immense value and are created equal in the eyes of God. And we see this in Paul. In chapter 27, he is sent to Rome. Paul's a Roman citizen, and eventually the ruling officials all say, well, he should go stand trial in Rome. So with a bunch of other prisoners, Paul is put on a boat as they set sail, him and the other prisoners and then all the guards, on a boat, set sail to Rome in chapter 27. And they encounter a storm on that boat. And then they are shipwrecked. And through that whole thing, and you'll read that if you read Acts chapter 27. Through the whole thing, Paul is leading and showing concern for the well-being of the other prisoners. He's showing concern for the well-being of the guards and authorities. Paul is showing concern for all people. Well, they survive the shipwreck. They survive the storm, and they survive, and they're washed up and shipwrecked on the island of Malta. 
And that is in chapter 28. You can read about that. And there, as these prisoners and guards wash up on the shore of this island, the native people there on this island, they show Paul and the other people there kindness. And what's funny, another funny part of this story is in chapter 28. Right after they've survived a storm and the shipwreck, Paul and the prisoners and the guards, they're getting welcomed by the native people on the island of Malta. And Paul, there's a fire going and Paul reaches in to grab some firewood and a viper, a snake, comes out and bites Paul in the hand and Paul pulls his hand out and there's this snake hanging from his hand. Now, if it's me, that would have been it for me, right? Um, have you ever had a day where, you know, let's take this season right now. Everybody's a little on edge, obviously, with what's going on in our city. On top of that, we've all been quarantined for like seven years. Everybody, so for me, it would have been, okay, I'm, I'm dealing with the quarantine. I'm dealing with all the stress that's going on in my city. I'm trying to get this building done. I'm battling the city officials. Um, all of these things, and then it's the little extra thing. Like, you've, you're just barely hanging on, dealing with homeschooling and fear for your health and all these things, and then it's something like you stub your toe or you get a paper cut, and that's the thing that's just like, ah, I can't take it anymore. That would have been it for me if I had survived the shipwreck and I'm stranded on the island of Malta, and all of these things lead up to, okay, I'm going to try to help, and then a snake bites me in the hand. That would have been it for me. But through all of this, Paul shows care and concern for the sick, and they are healed. He ministers, he preaches, he prays, the gospel spreads, the light spreads. Well, eventually Paul makes it to Rome, and he is put on house arrest for two years. And this brings us to the end of the chapter of Acts, or end of the book of Acts. Sometime after the book of Acts was done, Paul was martyred. He was killed in Rome. But the final two years of his life, if you read the end of the story, it's he was on house arrest for two years in Rome. And I want to read the final two verses of the book of Acts. And this is where we want to wrap up today. It says this, verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I love that that's the last word. Unhindered. Other translations say he was unhindered. I love that word. I love that. That's how the story, the adventures of Paul, wraps up. It confirms what Paul said to the believers when they were concerned for his safety before going to Jerusalem seven chapters ago. It confirms what he said. Is I'm, I'm ready to give it all. No matter what they do to me, I'm ready to give it all preaching the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Nothing will stop me from impacting the world for Jesus Christ. Even when he is in house arrest, he's in a home guarded, he can't leave, he still has people come visit him, he is still proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is un hindered in how much he wants to see the kingdom of Jesus Christ advance and change the world. And we cannot overstate the impact that Paul had on the church and the world. Notice that him saying that he was unhindered had nothing to do with circumstance. So often we will say, 
well, God, I want to live for you and I want to preach the gospel and I want to make a difference and change the world for Jesus until we face economic difficulty, until we face a coronavirus, until we face something difficult in our family, until we face a storm, until we're shipwrecked on an island and a snake bites us in the hand, right? Those are all the times of like, well, Lord, I would do this, but I keep getting hindered by all of these bad things. Notice, this is not what Paul is talking about. It had nothing to do with his circumstances. If anyone could have been hindered, it would have been Paul, who was arrested and beaten and put on a boat with prisoners and set sail to Rome, and then in a storm, and then shipwrecked, and then the snake bites him in the hand. These would be hindrances. And then he's on house arrest in Rome. He can't leave the house. These would be typically referred to as hindrances. But it says there that Paul had the mentality of, I'm unhindered. Nothing's going to stop me from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing is going to hinder me in my mission to see the world change for Jesus Christ. Christians, it is time for us to step up. It's time. Our world needs it. Our city needs it. Just take this week. Our city needs the Christians to step up with the gospel message of Jesus Christ setting aside all the other messages that we're trying to proclaim and say that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. It is about giving everything we have for the gospel to spread. That is what Paul was about. That is what we as Christians are called to be about. If your faith is not about that, then it's in the wrong thing because this is what the call is for the Christians to be a part of. Seeing the world change, being willing to give it all, unhindered in our proclamation of Jesus Christ, no matter what comes our way. Now, I'm going to say something that might cause you to be mad at me, and I'm okay with that. I'm willing to live with that. When I say giving everything for speaking up for the truth of Jesus Christ. A lot of times what we do is we veer from that a little bit and we say, yeah, that's right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak up for truth and it just happens to be your social agenda or your political agenda. That's not what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not referring to racial equality. That is at the heart of God. We should be shouting that from the rooftops. But here's what I'm talking about. A lot of people see this being unhindered in, in proclaiming the gospel as, yeah, that's right, I'm going to speak up for this other social issue. Many of you are speaking up about things that are not going to matter in eternity. Those things are not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is Jesus Christ crucified, raised to life, Son of God for all people, new life for everyone, work of reconciliation and healing and new creation in our hearts so that we could bear the fruit of the Spirit and go and be commissioned to change the world for Jesus Christ. That is what we need to be unhindered in. So what is hindering you? What's hindering you in this desire to live a life of adventure and faith like Paul did. What's hindering you? Hebrews 12, chapter 1 sums this up so well. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by a great community of faith of people who have given their lives 
to see the gospel advance. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. What is hindering you? What's hindering you from stepping up and living the Christian life, the Jesus life that would bring about healing in our world, that would bring about peace and love in our world, that would see our world change, that would see our culture change? What's hindering you? It might be the thing that's hindering you is a good cause that you're giving your life for, but it's not something that's making an eternal difference. Another thing that Hebrews 12 said, let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles. It might be a sin in your life that you just refuse to get rid of. A sin that so easily entangles you. It's time. It's time to move past that. Get help if you need it. Get someone to, be, to hold you accountable if you need it. Take it to the Lord in repentance and prayer. But if there's a sin area in your life that's just entangling you up and is hindering you from living the life of faith that God wants to live through you, it's time. It's time to move past it. It's time to wake up and do something with your faith. That sin that easily entangles might just be greed. It might be selfishness. It might be saying, yeah, my life's pretty good right now. I don't want to mess that up. I don't want to rock the boat. Another thing it might be that's hindering you is fear. Fear of what might happen. Fear that you might be like Paul and there might be consequences. Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. The thing that I have said throughout this whole series is that this idea of a, an adventure of faith that we see Paul live, this great adventure, all the things that he experienced and saw God do, this is not just for Paul. This is not just for the people in the Bible. This is not just for me as a pastor or any other pastor. This is for you. And there's going to be times where you're going to be led into something where the tendency to fear and to be discouraged is going to rise up in you. And you stand on the word of God and you say, God is with me and I am going to see him provide and protect. And even if I have to give it all, it's worth it. This is the life that God has for you. It is time for the Christians to step up and the last thing that might be a care or a hindrance to you is the cares of this world. The cares of this world. Let us throw off the things that so easily entangle us from, and run the race that is marked out before us. And a lot of times what is entangling us is the cares of this world. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, how the, the seed is planted, the seed being the word of God, and some falls on good soil and grows up and bears fruit. Well, he talks about some that falls among the thorns, and it grows up at first, but the thorns grow up and choke it out and choke the life out of it. And he says those thorns represent the cares of this world, the pursuit of money. And maybe that's you, where you have a faith in Jesus that started out strong. It fell on good soil and you saw fruit in your life and all of a sudden the cares of this world came in. Yeah, but what about this? How am I going to provide? What if I get put in a dangerous situation? And all of these things started choking out the faith in your life and the growth of faith in your life has been limited and choked out because of the cares of this world. 
Just trying to live the comfortable American dream can be a huge hindrance to you changing the world for Jesus. We are opening up this building in a few weeks. It's going to be great. I can't wait for you to see it. And it's going to be a hassle with COVID-19 and all the safeguards we have to put in place. It's just going to be a pain and we're going to deal with it. It's fine. But as we open this building, here is what I am determined to see. And I am all the more determined based on what I've seen in our city this last week. I am emboldened and determined to have this not just be about a cool building and a social club and a place where we come and gather and have fun. Aren't we a cool church? Look at our cool building. I am more determined than ever to see this be a lighthouse, to see this be a gathering place with the Christians who, like Paul, are willing to give it all for the proclamation of Jesus Christ. We need all the Christians to lay aside the hindrances and to step up. If you're a member of Homestead Church and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is who I'm talking to right now. My call and challenge for me and for you is to always continue to grow, continue to step up. We need everyone to move past this comfortable, convenience-based Christianity that is so widely consumed and easily digested and move past what we think church means for me and grow and move and stand and preach and love and give and care and prophesy over our city to pray, to act. We need to step up. It's time. And if anything has taught us a lesson, it's this week in our city. It's time for the Christians to start acting like Christians, fully devoted, willing to give it all for the cause of Jesus Christ. Because we believe that this is the answer, that this is the hope of the world, that this is going to be what changes our culture. Because when hearts change, cultures change. When my heart changes, cultures change. When your heart changes, cultures change. Enough hearts change, and we're going to see our world change. So I'm ready to give it all. And I want to find those who are with me to say we're going to make a difference. Because of what Jesus has done in us, we're going to boldly proclaim, we're going to be unhindered in our call to go reach this world for Jesus Christ. Amen?